there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Hi, guys. I uh, didn't know whether or not the message got posted or not. So maybe, uh, Emmett, do you know whether you saw any type of a message on Facebook? I was trying to do it from a, from a vehicle, and I don't know whether it actually went through or not. But uh, somebody let me know if you guys did get the message. Um, I apologize for, again, the delay, but flight got in late, etc. So I'm going to uh, just check two things really quick. One second here. And let's go here. Okay. That's not that. And one more place, and we will be ready to start. All right, let's do this. For the delay again, it's just the travel schedule right now has been kind of crazy. But um, I'm actually going to be with uh, Dr. Lipton here in another few days. And and uh, we are going to be at a conference where hopefully I can bring to you some new information or at least information on dealing with uh, other techniques that may be beneficial from an emotional psychological standpoint to help people overcome certain components that we that tend to sabotage all of us, right? So there was a book that was written called The Cortical Monkey, actually written by my uncle, and when he wrote the book, he was referring to the component that sabotages ourself, um, the, the cortical monkey, meaning the brain, our brains, um, our minds, our own minds getting in the way where we have that, what I call the naysayer, the naysayer that talks to us and says negative things and says you're too stupid or you're too tall or you're too fat or too short or you're too this or you're too that, whatever it is, it's self-sabotage. And there's a lot of this nonsense and noise that's going on in the background that we're all having to deal with at all times. And so one of the things that's important that I find important, especially for patients that are dealing with a chronic disease, is how to stop that noise, how to stop that 
minutiae that we're having to deal with, okay? Now, there are a number of videos that uh, we've been in the, in the course of production, and I'm pretty excited about them because they're all going to be available to the IEDFW members based upon whether they're mapped to get ahead program or one of the other programs. Uh, and they're geared specifically to helping individuals overcome a number of different obstacles that get in the way. But overall, it's this, this particular issue of, of that self-talk that's negative. And I'm not going to go too deep into this, but I do want to um, touch on this because it came up twice this, this last week. And it was very interesting that the, uh, one of the patients that I talked with who is, um, who has overcome a lot of hardship uh, herself, is still dealing with this negative talk. Now, we all have to deal with, the first thing to remember is that we all have this negative self-talk that's going on. I think it's part and parcel of being human. It's a, it's a flaw in the human design, perhaps. But I guess if you haven't experienced the darkness, then it's hard to appreciate how beautiful the light is, right? You can't really appreciate the beauty in something unless you've seen uh, something to contrast it or something, that, it's a contrast that makes you appreciate something, right? You can't appreciate how delicious cold water is if you've never been thirsty before. Uh, meaning that the more thirstier you've been or the longer you've been out in the desert, you can appreciate that water even more. So thinking of things in that manner may help to reduce the pain of having to deal with some of this garbage that we all have to deal with as humans. But I wanted to kind of touch base a little bit about this naysayer. Now everybody deals with the naysayer in a different manner. And there's two versions of the naysayer. The first version of the naysayer is the version that is, as I mentioned earlier, you're too stupid, you're too tall, you're too short, you're too fat, you're too skinny, you're too this, you're too that. It's adversarial, it's uh, antagonistic, it's uh, derogatory, that's self-talk. That's, that's the way the naysayer talks, naysayer meaning the one, the negative portion that's inside us. Then the other form of the naysayer is a portion that talks to us like a caring and a concerned parent. Like, honey, I don't want you to get hurt, so I don't want you to take this risk and step out because it's just better to stay safe, and, and I just don't want you to get hurt. I just don't want you to, you know, let's, let's apply to health. I don't want you to uh, potentially go out there and um, cancer, let's use a cancer as an example. I want you to be safe, and I want you to take the chemo and the radiation because everybody talks about doing it, and everybody does. That's the best way of going. Rather than stepping out of the box and doing something else that you know, everybody, if, if that was really the truth and if that was really the answer, then everybody would be doing it, and all the hospitals would be doing it, but, but they're not. So just stay safe and stay with the chemo and the radiation. So the two versions of the naysayer, one is antagonistic and, and Derogatory and confrontational and um, abrasive, and the other one is a nurturing, I care about you, mother type that's trying to protect you from hurting yourself. Doesn't want you to take the risk, doesn't want you to take the box, doesn't want you. So, those are the two different components of the naysayer. Now, the naysayer is dependent upon the fear of you moving into resistance. I want you to 
remember this portion, okay? This is a very, very important component. The naysayer is dependent upon your fear of moving into resistance. When I say moving into resistance, that means that whatever, there's an old adage, whatever you resist will persist. So I want you to remember that when you are, when you're dealing with this type of a scenario, you can ask yourself, am I being motivated? Is my thought process motivated by fear or by love? That's, that's what the question you should ask yourself. Now, in, in the epilogue of my book, I go into this in a lot more detail with, about the antagonist, the, the um, opposite of fear. People think it's courage. It's not courage. The opposite of fear is actually love. So everything, all root emotions fall into one of the categories, all the common denominators, no matter what the emotional response you're having to anything. When you distill it all down, it comes down to either being motivated by uh, all, all thought processes are being motivated, all actions are being motivated by either love or fear. So ask yourself, is this thing that I'm experiencing, this uh, issue that I'm dealing with right now, is my response to it, am I moving towards this response? And is the decision that I'm making based upon love or fear? Love for the other party, love for myself, or is based upon fear that if I don't do something, this is going to happen, or, or fear of I must do this, otherwise I'm going to have to pay this, this price, or whatever the case is. Pretty much, the formula is very simple. If you're motivated by fear, which is how 99% of the world is motivated by, by fear, you're wrong. If you're motivated by love, it's going to be harder, but it's a road less traveled, and it's the right answer. Okay? So coming back full circle to this naysayer, when the naysayer is talking to us and trying to convince us to do something and, and saying, you know, you're too stupid or you're too fat or too skinny or too tall or short, or whatever the case is, or approaches you in a very nurturing way to tell you that, uh, honey, don't do this because it's only going to hurt you and I don't want you to get hurt, so don't do this. Regardless of which way that naysayer presents, the motivation behind the naysayer, the goal that, the, that, that is being achieved by the naysayer is to force you to be motivated by fear. It is the fear that the naysayer is using to compel you to move in a certain direction. If we recognize that and understand that, and by definition recognize that anything that we do based out of fear will be wrong, and if you do it based upon love, it'll be right, that helps us to, from a 30,000-foot elevation standpoint, at least know the direction we should be moving in. Should we go right or should we go left? Right? Should we go forward or should we go backwards? It kind of gives you that framework. Now, as you start to question yourself in every action that you do, whether it's based on love and fear, you'll notice that there are certain actions that could be based upon love or fear both ways. It could be based upon the love for your child, but the fear that the child could get hurt, right? And so you have to ask yourself, well, which, which, what is my motivation here? Is it, is it the love for my child, but is that fear motivated? That I love my child, but I don't want him to step outside and do X, Y, and Z because I'm afraid they're going to get hurt? Or is it, is it the fear that the child's going to get that's going to prevent us from letting the child go out there and do whatever the child needs to do to, to learn. So there, sometimes it's a, it's a little bit confusing. You have to start looking at it from all different perspectives because an a, certain actions can have a love and a fear component to it. That's just a side, side component that I'm putting out there. Now, coming back to, you know, I could, I could uh, use this as a teaser and say that I'm going to go into some specific tools, and then if you guys want to learn those tools, then you can join us on the IAD. IADFW component, 
Um, and and I, I'm going to go into more details in the IADFW. In fact, we've created some videos about this. Uh, but suffice it to say, at this juncture at least, that never allow fear to motivate your decisions. If you allow fear to motivate your decisions, which 99% which of the planet does, and I think that's one of the reasons that we are in the state on the planet that we are in right now, you're never going to allow yourself to grow and evolve and achieve the next level, whatever that next level may be for each one of us individually. So part of growth, remember, is the breaking of the shell, breaking through the, through the, um, the barrier of, of what constrains us. Think of a, think of a crab in a, in a shell, but that crab as it's growing, it has to discard that old shell, break through that shell and, and create a new shell, shell to get into. So that process can be painful. Just remember that growth is analogous to chaos. Evolutionary change is chaotic. It's, Change is difficult, it's painful sometimes, it's, it's downright painful. So be aware that if you are motivated by fear, you will prevent yourself from growing. And yes, if you, are, if you allow love to motivate your actions, yes, it, it's usually gonna be more painful, without a doubt. But that's part and parcel of that formula that growth is painful. As you grow, as you evolve, you have to outgrow your current constraints and that process is difficult, it's chaotic, it's painful, it's difficult. But no, there's, a, there's another old adage that coaches used to use, right? No, um, no pain, no gain. So in order to, I'm not saying that in order to gain something you have to go through pain, but my point is that change is painful. Change is difficult, change is uncomfortable. It, uh, it forces you to have to go into that next component, right? And health, when you're trying to achieve a better state of health, it is going to most often be painful because if you have certain habits, uh, you have to break those habits and that can be painful. Or if you have certain um, components that you've been doing for a long time and now you have to break those habits by changing the environment that you're in, changing your friends, uh, changing the, your, your um, decisions in life so that you can start to embrace the better choices for your health, yes, that's going to be painful because now you've got to create new friends or you've got to create new habits, or you've got to create new thought processes. Whatever the case is, when you're dealing with change, just remember it's part and parcel to expect it to be difficult. It's not going to be easy. And so if you understand that if I'm experiencing something difficult right now, by definition, I'm evolving, I'm growing, I'm going through something that uh, is going to make me a better person, a stronger person. It's going to allow you to see the world from a more evolved perspective, from a more aware perspective. Um, sometimes focusing on that component helps us to traverse that difficult change. The one thing that I can tell you is that when in retrospect you look back, it's always better. It's always better. So dealing with this particular person I'm thinking about last week, the, the amount of hardships that she had gone through and just some of the stories that I learned and that she shared with me, she didn't share everything with me. I felt that it was important to bring this point home. When, no matter what you're going through, start changing the narrative in your head. 
Don't allow fear to be the motivator. Allow love to be the motivator, but change the narrative in your head. That difficult thing that you're going is a blessing because it's allowing you to get stronger, okay? So maybe it's a simple message, but it's, it's an important message because we are all going through, in some way, fashion, or form, these types of challenges. Some of us more difficult than others. Some of us may not be going through anything right now, but we have gone through similar things, and so we know. So appreciate that experience. That lesson was brought home to me so well, actually, by patients that I was treating for cancer. Because a number of times I've had patients that, have, that are going through treatment in our clinic for cancer tell me that very thing, that it was such a blessing to have gone through the cancer. And how can someone say that they're blessed by going through cancer? Well, that's, you know, that's again, changing the narrative in their head. They were no longer the victim, that they were, the, they were experiencing something new that they were learning from, and they asked the question, why am I experiencing this right now? What lesson am I supposed to take away from this? How can I make my life better? How can I make other people's lives better by going through this experience and learning from this experience? And, and that's really what it comes down to. Now, how we talk to ourselves and that narrative that's going on in our head is so critical. My own son, Abi, is the one who has really, by demonstration, by living it the way he does, help me with that because I'm probably the most self-critical person on the planet. And many, many people are self-critical that beat themselves up. And so this, this uh, how we deal with ourselves, right, that, that fear aspect versus the, um, the love aspect, we need to treat ourselves with more love. I am very critical of myself when I talk to myself. I used to be, and I've started working on certain exercises to be kinder to myself. So for the people that are involved with the, with the uh, advanced remote support protocol for cancer, um, you guys are going to be getting a video on this very topic. In fact, it's already been shot. It's just being edited right now. Um, so that's the message that I just want to leave you guys with on the Facebook page today is that make sure that whatever action you take is motivated by love as opposed to motivated by fear. And that the narrative that we are telling ourselves, that, that naysayer that's telling us certain things, it's self-critical, that, that when I talk about self-critical, that's the naysayer telling us, you know, you're too fat, you're too skinny, you're too tall, you're too short, whatever. That narrative that's being dictated to us by a naysayer is using fear to motivate you. Don't allow that to happen, refuse it. Now, one of the, I'm going to talk about the IADFW section. I'm going to talk about a technique that I use to help alleviate that. And, um, you know, some of you may say, well, wait a second. Why don't you share it with us right now? Well, I, I could, um, but I also want to um, encourage people to join the IADFW because there's certain things in the IADFW that I can say openly that I can't say here. And this may or may not be one of those things, but I want to be able to speak candidly, and that's one reason we created the IADFW. Now, I, I, will, I will leave it at that, um, but, well, I kind of feel bad doing that. So, so let, me, um, let me do this. The, when the naysayer, I'm just, I'll, get, I'll just give you an example. Everybody does this differently, by the way. But when the naysayer puts that tactic in play 
of being condescending and derogatory and abrasive and confrontational and you're too stupid, you're too this or that, and or it takes on the nurturing um, component like a, a parent, honey, you, I don't want you to get hurt and so I don't want you to do this. Whatever that is, remember that, that it's, the, it's the fear that it's using to motivate. And just by recognizing that component, just by recognizing that component, you're already going to be ahead of the game. So the part I was going to say for the IADFW, I'm going to tell everybody here right now, and then IADFW will talk about other things. But I want you to, this, this is the key, okay? This is, this is a solution. This is the way to deal with it. Whenever that happens, whenever you see that occurring, when you, when you become aware of that occurrence, I want you to do the following. And it's very simple. In fact, it's so simple and so easy, but very, very, very few people do it, okay? Whatever it is that you're fearful of, whatever that naysayer is using to motivate you to take the stance of fear as opposed to love, whatever it is, whatever it is, immediately, without any hesitation, with alacrity, move into it. Quickly. Do it. Whatever it is that you're scared of, do it. Just immediately. What is height? Climb up the ladder, okay? Jump out of the plane. Whatever it is, do it. Don't think about it. Don't contemplate because that factor as you sit there and think and contemplate about it, it's going to feed and fuel that fear. I'll give you a perfect example. My, my son, my youngest son, Rahan, who you guys, some of you may have seen yesterday, because I didn't, I, not yesterday, sorry, last week. Um, when he was about uh, six, we went to a little get-together that some friends were having, and it was at a clay pit. Um, they, they had a, their property had a clay pit on there, and the water was very clear, and it was about a 50-foot jump off to jump into this, into this clay pit, with beautiful, clean, clear water. And so all these teenagers were there at this, at this big, it was kind of like a picnic, a barbecue. And when we arrived, these kids were, you know, they would go running up and jump off this 50-foot ledge into this big clay pit, clear pool, and then swim to the side and climb back up the side and come running back up and do it again. Everybody there was, you know, that was doing this was 14, 15, 16 years old. Rahan was six or seven years old. And he's with his brother, of course. Uh, Abby's uh, about six years older than him, so Abby was about 12 at the time. So it's, it's about Abby's age group, you know, probably a little bit older than Abby's age group that people that were doing this. So Rahan wants to do it, and Abby says, no, he didn't want to do it. And uh, so Rahan says, I want to do it, and he takes off his shirt, and I figured, yeah, go ahead. So he goes running up to the edge, looks over, turns around, looks at me, turns back around, and jumps. And he swims back. He's like a little fish anyway. He swims up, comes back up, runs up, and he's like all excited. And all these kids that are there, they're twice his size, they're, you know, twice as tall as he is. They're, like I said, 13, 14-year-old kids. And here's a six, seven-year-old kid that's, you know, doing this. And he goes and he does it again. And he swims up to the edge and comes up and climbs back up and runs back up. And he's just all wired and all happy. And he does it a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time. He does it like nine or ten times, right? And then he comes up again, and he's trying to convince his brother, Abhi, to do it. And Abhi just didn't have an interest. I don't think it was, it was Abhi just didn't want to, you know, he's he just kind of getting to that age now where he's uh, a little bit more self-conscious, and he just showered, and he'd done his hair, and he didn't want to, you know, jump off that thing and, and, and get all wet. And somebody, one of the older kids, somebody said, to another kid as they're running up about being scared, like saying, what are you scared? Why aren't you going to do it? I was trying to convince one of his siblings, are you scared? Now, Rahan just heard that word, are you scared? 
And what was interesting was suddenly, Abby's not doing it. He hears the kid say scared. He's already done it nine times. And he looks at me and he goes, Dad? And I said, yeah. And he goes, I'm scared. I said, scared of what? He goes, jumping off that. I said, you're scared? You just did it nine times. What do you think you, you're scared? It's mimicry. We start learning by mimicry. We start seeing certain things, right? So as a little kid, he's seeing other people scared. Now he starts thinking. His head's getting in the way. And he's thinking, wait a second. I shouldn't be doing this. I'm, you know, everybody else is talking. They're scared. I'm scared. Yet he had no fear when he was doing it. He was enjoying it. Now, I had him go to the edge and jump back in. And I was, of course, I had regular clothes. And I was going to go ahead and take off, you know, strip down and, and, and jump with him. But he was able to go ahead and do it on his own. But I wasn't going to allow him to say that he was scared. Because as soon as you give voice to those words, now you're you're labeling it and you're giving it power. As soon as words have a lot of power. So you've got to be very careful which words you use for yourself and for the kids. But I wanted him to be able to um, to be able to supersede whatever that fear was that was instilled by somebody else's comments, not by him, because he'd already done it nine times or, or ten times. So the the key here, the tool that I want you to use is alacrity. As soon as something appears to be motivated by that fear, if, as soon as your actions appear to be motivated by fear. You know, I'm not going to do this because I'm afraid of X or I'm not, I don't want to do this because I'm afraid Y will happen or whatever the case is, move into it. Do it immediately. Don't think about it because the longer you think about it, the less likelihood that you're going to actually transform and get through it and break through it. It's that speed of implementation that's powerful because then what happens is it throws everything off. Okay, In your mind, your naysayer is sitting there trying to convince you why you shouldn't do it and trying to convince you and motivate you based on that fear. And you've already done it. As soon as you move into it, you don't even think about it. You just do it. What the mind is trying to tell you to do or not to do based on fear, you've already done. And so it's almost like it dissolves, okay? So don't do this because you could get hurt. Don't jump out of an airplane because it's high and the parachute couldn't open or whatever this or that or whatever. And you jump, and now you're just soaring and you're flying. And now the mind can't, it, it can't use that fear anymore because you've already transcended it, you've already surpassed it, you've already blown through it. And you will see that whatever you were afraid of starts to literally dissipate, it dissolves. And it, it shows its true nature, which is that it doesn't even exist. It only exists in your own mind. Fear has no you know, smell or taste. It's not tangible. It's something that exists in our imagination. It's something that uh, Tony Robbins uh, calls it uh, false evidence appearing real. Now, I heard some, some comedian or somebody say that, you know, false evidence are real. Don't give me that crap about false evidence appearing real. You know, um, that tiger coming after you has nothing to do with false evidence appearing real. That thing's going to, you know, eat you or whatever the case is. The car is going to hit you. Well, I'll, I'm going to say this last component about this portion and, and then kind of wrap it up. Um, there are a lot of inspirational speakers out there. By the way, it's um, I'm going to I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, inspirational speaker and, and what he said in a movie in a segment that I want you guys to get. But I was listening to I try to pull up YouTube and you know listen to some kind of motivational thing while I'm doing some push-ups or while I'm you know while I'm if I'm folding clothes or something like that you know whatever I'm doing or if I'm waiting on hold I'll play a YouTube video or something motivational. And um, I was hearing a motivational video about two weeks ago, and uh, Actually, it was really interesting because I'm listening to this, and they had a segment. Um, there, there were a bunch of different well-known people on there, and then they had Dr. Lipton on there. They had a little segment from him. And as I'm listening to it, 
this thing comes on and uh, I'm listening to it and I was like, wait a second, that sounds like something that I said. And I realized it was my voice. They, somebody had taken a clip from some lecture I'd given or something. It was only about 30 seconds, 20 seconds, but they had this in the motivational video. And, and you know, it was a, I got a good chunk of a lot of it, that video. I don't even remember what the link was, now, but it was really kind of cool to hear a motivational video and then and see that somebody else had put a segment on, of what I was talking about on there. But for me, per, and they had Will Smith on there. For me personally, Will Smith is, uh, I've taken care of a lot of celebrities, know a lot of royal people, and I mean, everybody's the same. Will Smith has some really, really powerful things that he talks about. Okay, he he really, truly, you know, set aside his uh, as an actor and this and that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about his inspirational uh, components, his his life lessons that he talks about. Really, really powerful stuff. And he did a movie called um, Earth, Mother Earth, or Earth One, or, or One Earth. I can't remember exactly what it is. Somebody help me out that knows which movie I'm talking about. It got terrible reviews. But it was a great movie. I loved it because of science fiction. But in there, he talks about his son in real life is his son in the movie. And he's talking about fear in this segment. And you can do a search. In fact, I'll, you know, I'll find that segment. I'm going to try to incorporate it in one of our videos about fear. But I want you to watch this portion. It's only about three minutes long. And he talks about fear. He talks about how fear paralyzes you. And he distinguishes the difference between fear and danger. So he said, don't get me wrong. You know. Danger is real. There's no doubt about it. danger is real. But when you allow fear to motivate you to act, that's when you go wrong. So to be aware of danger and to be have a high awareness of danger and to make sure that you avert whatever is dangerous, that's one thing. But the fear is something totally different. So it's almost like understanding, yes, jumping out of a plane is dangerous. As long as you understand, you've checked your parachute, you know, you're making sure you, whoever is taking you up knows what they're doing, that there's no uh, bad weather or strong you know, wind currents or, you know, the, the drop zone that you're going to hit. And, okay, so all that stuff, that's, that's it's dangerous, no doubt about it. But if you know all that stuff, then you're going to be fine. You just need to make sure that you've executed everything. If, we, if you say that, okay, it's dangerous to jump out of a plane and that's why I'm not going to do it and you allow fear to motivate you, that's what, that's what the issue is. So nobody's saying to ignore danger. So that's a difference between uh, ignoring danger versus allowing fear to motivate you. So as that comedian says, don't give me that you know crap about false evidence. Real that that tiger is going to get you, and, and that's nothing false about it. Well, there's a difference there. We're not talking about the fear aspect. We're talking about danger aspect there. So again, don't allow fear to motivate you. Ask yourself, am I being motivated by fear in this situation or love? And if you're being motivated by love, you're going to be It's a truth meter. If you're being motivated by fear, then you're wrong. And if you are aware, if you start asking yourself these questions, to aware that you may be motivated by fear as opposed to love in whatever action you have to take, you're already halfway home because now you recognize and you're aware of this issue that very few people are. And then to take it to the next level, Move into that fear with great speed, with alacrity. Don't hesitate. Just do it because that will then allow the fear to literally disintegrate in front of you and show you that it actually does not exist anywhere else except for in your mind, right? Uh, in the words of uh, Roosevelt, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. Or was that Kennedy? I think that was Roosevelt. 
um, I think it was, or maybe it was Roosevelt that said, uh, the greatest enemy lies within. And that enemy that they were talking about that lies within is that self-sabotage, that, that, that naysayer that motivates us by using fear as opposed to the source of motivation that should motivate us based upon love. So I'm sorry if I got the quotes wrong, but I know one's Kennedy and one is Roosevelt. So there's nothing to fear but fear itself. So that's the first one. And then the other one is the greatest enemy lies within. The greatest enemy is that naysayer that we're talking about. Whatever you want to call it. Some people call it the good angel, the bad angel, or you know, our, our negative thought process. But I call it the naysayer. And that naysayer, I have done things to destroy that naysayer, to scare him, to, to make him not even show his ugly head because I don't want anything to prevent me from doing things based upon the motivation of love. I don't, I seek fear so I can destroy it. That's what one of my things is. In fact, I've, uh, at, a, at a conference that I was at, um, where we were doing some emotional work with NAET, they found out that uh, as they were going, as I went through the process, I went up to the front and they were going through the process and, and uh, the instructor said that, you know, that's one of your problems. You've been seeking fear. You don't have to seek fear. You've already conquered the thing of fear, but you're like still seeking fear and you're still, you know, it, it's like conquering, conquering fear. Anything that I find myself I actually haven't, uh, I was, I think, eight years old and nine years, uh, probably seven years or eight years old, and I was afraid of the dark um, as a kid, and my, ba my bedroom was in the basement, and that's the first time I took a stick and I walked down in the basement, and uh, I did that, you know, two, three times uh, with the lights off. I did it on purpose with the lights off, because I figured that if I turn on the lights, then they'll go hide, the monsters will go hide, and then I won't be able to see them, so I leave the lights off so I could find the monster, and I go to the stick, and, and, and I kept on doing it until... I mean, at this point in my life, um, especially, you know, after my military training, I actually feel more comfortable in the dark than I do in the light. It's, you know, you hear things and you see things, um, you feel things, you experience things in the dark that you really can't, you can't appreciate some of the beauty that you actually see when the eyes adjust and I feel very, very comfortable. Um, it's kind of like the movie Avatar. If you remember that movie, it's dark and then when they allow their eyes to adjust, all the beauty in, in, the, in the forest becomes evident because the eyes adjust and, and then they could see all this beautiful nightlife. So anyway, the point that I'm making is that certain simple things like heights, for example, or, you know, darkness or spiders or whatever it is, cancer patients always have some type of phobia. So whatever it is, whatever you're scared of, move into it. Don't allow the naysayer to motivate you by um, using that fear to, to, to be the source of your motivation. Change it to love. Ask yourself, am I, you know, you deal with any type of situation, ask yourself first, am I meaning to do this in this manner because I'm afraid or because I'm motivated by love? And if you're motivated by love, then you're good to go. And if you're motivated by fear, then you need to readjust and re recalibrate and ask yourself, is that the right thing? And recognize that it's that the, the nature that's motivating you to do the go, to go down the path uh, that is wrong is using that fear to motivate you. It's, it's using fear to get you to, to do the wrong thing and don't allow yourself to become a victim of that fear. So I hope I didn't beat a dead horse here and I was planning on making this a lot shorter than, than I did. Um, but I, I wanted to just kind of touch base on that because that was a, that was an important part that, that recently came up that I thought was important to talk about. Um, I'm also going to just answer one quick question. Um, there were a couple of questions that I'm trying to catch up with some of these questions. So Kevin Bauer said, uh, I was wondering if you ever look for other practitioners who might share your beliefs and who might be willing to transform their practice into another 
Advanced Medicine Clinic. I know this. I know that's a simplified question to a complex situation. Just curious in the event, I may know a doctor who may want to meet you. I just wish there was more. Excuse me. I just wish there was one of your clinics in every city in America. Well, Kevin. Uh, first of all, I really appreciate you saying that, but from your mouth to God's ears, that's what I would like to have is the is a situation where there are multiple clinics being able to offer the basic things that everybody needs to be able to regain their own power to, to empower themselves with knowledge and then to be able to regain their autonomy um, and be able to achieve the basic level of health that is the right of every human being on this planet. And together, through the platform that we're creating here, being able to help guide each other and, and, and others to a better option, to better resources, to, to be able to empower them with tools and to, with, uh, with uh, components that can help benefit us and make sure that by doing so that we never become victims again and susceptible to the system that has been um, instrumental in taking the power away from individuals. Right? So I appreciate that question, Kevin. Um, let me just quickly answer the questions that may have come up over here, and then we will uh, say good night and go on to the IADFW for the IADFW members. Hey guys, uh, I'm not going to see Emmett. I'll I got to talk to you again. I, I did get your message. We will uh, we will figure out something for the next uh, in the next week and a half. Let's see. Hi guys. Hello. Hi Lynn. Hi Zara. No message. Okay, I'm at, I had posted something, so I guess I apologize for if you guys didn't get the get the notice that we were going to be delayed. Hi, Richard, Hazara, Amy. A lot of hellos, and I'm just trying to see. So Richard said, "Fear becomes an excuse for not trying." You know, Richard, that's a very, very important component, too, because if we form a habit, the more we say no, the more we allow fear to motivate us, we start forming habits. So this is another subject of another video that I just finished doing, and uh, we'll talk more about that. But you're exactly right, because fear becomes an excuse for not trying. We just tell ourselves that's why we're not going to do it, because we're afraid, and so we just don't even do it. And we end up forming a habit of being fearful, and that is not a good place to be. Uh, Cherie said, without change, we'd all still be in diapers. You're absolutely right. They have sparked the parts of that evolutionary process, right? You're absolutely right. Uh, Margaret said, working so can't stay on, but wanted to thank you and your staff for being so positive. It made a huge difference with my family member. Well, that's good to know, Margaret. Thank you. Andrea made a statement that it's all about perspective, not easy, and needs your constant awareness and attention. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we have to nourish a plant with water and sunlight with good soil. And so we also have to nourish our right habits with the right thought process and right intention and with the right mindset and with the right people. Um, there was a great post on Instagram that said, be careful of the people who you associate with, right? Because we become those who we spend the most amount of time with. And so... I have become very selective in who I spend any extensive amount of time with. And I'll tell you, 
I am not blowing smoke here, but I really do look forward to the time with the IADFW people because it's like um, we're, we're like-minded and, and I'm empowered by that. Now, I wanted to be able to do the Zoom meetings and unfortunately we can't do that. It has to be done in a webinar format. So what I'm gonna start doing is that some of the uh, people as coaches, some of the existing coaches and the new coaches will probably end up doing our IADFW calls where we'll end up having a couple of the coaches involved and then what kind of questions the coaches are getting and start to answer those questions on the IADFW platform. That's really where my plan is going and that's what my position is that we are able to really support that community. If you're not a member of the IADFW, I really, really encourage you to consider it. Talk to somebody else that may be an IADFW member here. Um, I think that um, you know, once you experience it, you'll understand why it is a very unique community. And guys, if you're an, well, somebody remind me, uh, Andrew, remind me when I get into IEDFW, something that I have IEDFW members or as many that want to do it, uh, do something for us. We're, we've made some huge milestones in the last uh, week and a half, some massive changes um, moving in the right direction. Really excited about that. Um, today was just a very, very strange day. And uh, I don't know whether anybody else felt that the, it's, uh, there's a lot of different reasons for that. But uh, again, embrace everything because it's all good. Whatever the experiences you're having, there's, there's a reason behind it. It's good. There's something you learn from it. Uh, Sheree said, and that uh, critical voice affects our subconscious thinking. Well, actually, that critical voice um, is sabotaging our subconscious because our subconscious is like a precocious child. And if we're criticizing that subconscious, then we're criticizing that child and it creates problems, okay? Um, it creates problems where the child will shut down. So that's another component of the discussions of, of a way to deal with that um, that's coming up for the, with the Map to Get Ahead program that we're, uh, one of the videos. So there's, there's a whole bunch of different videos and different programs that are being released and uh, I will talk to you guys all about that. By the way, um, if you are somebody that has voiced that you wanted to be uh, a map to get a head coach, which I know, I've got all the list of everybody. Um, uh, today's on our call today for the IADFW, uh, I've got a little message for you guys. And uh, so I'll, I'll announce that during the IADFW broadcast when we come back on there. Uh, Anissa said, Doctor, what is your opinion about stem cells for autism and do you still feel recovery is possible as a child is eight years old? Uh, so Anissa, the answer to your question is uh, autism, for, for an eight-year-old, you know, seven years is our critical before we start doing IVs. And yes, eight, nine, ten, yes, we, you know, we have great success with that, um, albeit it's not as successful. Our, our numbers aren't, you know, like below the age of five, it's almost like 100% for us. Um, above the age of seven, you know, it's more like 70%. Um, when you start getting into the 9, 10 age groups, then it starts to drop off because even though the brain brain has elasticity, it's not nearly as elastic as it was when they were younger. Stem cells is very, very simple, okay? Stem cells, using stem cells in autism is like having a house that's burning and you come in to replace the carpet and put in new windows and doors. If the house is on fire, before you do anything, you have to first put out the fire. If you don't put out the fire, what's going to happen? You put in the new glass and new windows and new doors, you're just going to burn them down. So you have to first put out the fire before you start to rebuild the house. That's it's a very simple analogy. So stem cells is like rebuilding the house, but autism is like it's a fire. It's a, you know it's oxidative stress. It's heavy metals. Until you've taken the heavy metals out, until you've cleaned up the system, um, 
you're just wasting your time, money, and effort. You have to first put out the fire, and then you can start to rebuild the house. Hopefully that made sense. Emmett said, Dr. Batar, I'm not jumping out of a perfectly good airplane too, too high because God said, I am. God said, lo, I am with you always. <laughs> yes, I, I got it, Emmett. That's good. Um, Esther said, I have seen doctors who convince their patients that they aren't ill, and it is all in their heads, and it worked. People would be illness-free. Mind is controlling the body. So, Esther, what you're talking about is actually Paul Allen's book, As a Man, As a Man Thinketh. And yes, there are doctors that do that, and those are the good doctors. If I have used uh, those, it's not positive affirmation. Okay, positive affirmations are like, I'm not going to run out of gas. I'm not going to get run out of gas. I'm not going to run out of gas. And your needles uh, on the empty tank. Well, guess what? I don't care how positive you are. If you don't stop at a gas station and get gas, you're going to run out of gas. Okay, so a positive affirmation is without any umph. If you take positive affirmation and put it together with action, okay, I'm not going to run out of gas, I'm not going to run out of gas, I'm not going to run out of gas, and now you take your GPS and you look to the closest gas station, you make your way to the closest gas station, and then you take some action to get to that gas station and pump the gas into your car, yes, now it's now it's positive. And now, now it's going to work. So a positive affirmation without action is nothing. It's just, it doesn't mean anything. But positive affirmation with an action behind it that fuels it, it's everything. Uh, Zara said, I play one of your videos to get motivated. Well, Zara, that's very nice of you. I appreciate you saying that. Um, that's very nice. Uh, Dr. Farah Bunch and Jack Bunch, hey, guys. I just uh, saw them a couple days ago. Great, great people. And hopefully Dr. Farah and I and uh, Jack uh, will be doing a um, webinar soon, or at least uh, we'll do a Facebook Live, and uh, we'll be doing Facebook Live to hopefully introduce their uh, following to the head map, and, and we'll have... Uh, more people aware and utilizing the head map. Lynn said, FDR said, nothing to fear but fear itself. Okay, thank you, Lynn. Thank you for that. And Lynn said, thank you, love that. I, I appreciate that. Cherie asked, do you work with people with Lyme? Yes, Cherie, we do. Louise says, I, DFW is like an extended family. I uh, couldn't agree with you more, Louise. And Emmett said he loved IDFW. There you go, guys. I appreciate that. Okay, so Sheree said, are you familiar with Psyche for rewiring the brain? Uh, Sheree, actually, I am very familiar with Psyche. I actually had my whole staff go through Psyche about five years ago, and I'm going to be with Dr. Lipton in a couple of days at a Psyche convention that he wanted me to come to. And uh, there are many different tools like this, and we're working on something that's very easy to implement. Um, there's another great technique called the, NA, the, the NAET technique, and there's many different techniques. Um, we'll actually have... Through the map to get ahead program through through the advanced medicine to the coaches we're going to have another method to help people with uh, releasing some of these emotional components and um, then there's another technique that we're using sound and light so the one we use right now is based upon sound and then we're going to be introducing another one sound and, and frequency of sound another one we're going to be bringing on that i just actually experienced today is using sound and light and uh the, there's so many different tools out there, and we just have to take the best ones and the easiest ones to implement with the best results. And uh, I will be, we'll probably be holding a webinar in the very near future. In fact, I need to uh, schedule some webinars because we haven't done any webinars in a while, and people have been asking. So we're going to be doing one on the uh, on, on the use of identifying uh, the the type of personality that we are, and uh, that personality 
is has a certain implication on health. So I will have a link for you guys to go take an assessment that's free, and you can take this assessment, and then they have a high version that you can pay for to get a more detailed analysis, but I don't want you to do that because we're going to actually do a workshop, and for people that enroll in that workshop, they'll get that, that advanced uh, version of your personality component with a bunch of other really cool things. Um, it'll probably be a three-week or four-week end of webinar, so we'll do two hours every week, and uh, it's going to be helping you to, one, identify what your personality type is, two, to help you identify what other family members in your, in, or other, other people in your social circle, what, what uh, personalities they are, and then how to interact with those people. But then the part that's unique to us, which, which uh, we've been working with this company, um, is to then identify what characteristics of our personality contribute to our, the, the most likelihood of us getting certain types of diseases. So that's going to be something that we're going to be uh, releasing very, very soon. And actually, I'll probably be announcing the webinar in the next three weeks. I'm just trying to get my, um, get my head above water. There's so many things happening, and, and they're all excited. But uh, that's one of the things that we're going to be doing in the very, very near future. And actually, the uh, company, that's, they've, got a, they've got their own presentation and webinar, and it's, it's actually really good. But ours is, I'm going to be doing the webinar not the workshop first, but we'll do a webinar that kind of explains about the about the workshop, and I'll be doing it with the senior trainer with the company. And you know, they've done some big, big companies like Microsoft, Apple. They've um, they've worked with some companies, leading companies, to uh, help optimize performance in the employees based upon their personalities and, and identifying personalities. But then to look at those personalities and see the how that impacts our health. Um, that's never been done before, and that's one of the things I've been working at, uh, working with them and uh, working on myself to see how we can identify what our propensities are based upon our personalities and how that impacts our health and, and strategies to help optimize that. So that workshop will be coming up soon, but we'll do a webinar first to kind of explain what we're going to be doing and how it's going to work and, and give you guys that link so you guys can go and do your own personality testing. Um, you just have to pay for the, the, up, the higher version because that will be all included for anybody that decides to participate in the workshop. Um, Anissa said, thank you. You're most welcome, Anissa. Hope you can sell soon from South Africa. South Africa is a great person, a great place. Anissa, I've actually uh, lectured in South Africa in Johannesburg and in Cape Town and, and I love South Africa. And Anissa, does NAET therapy really help food allergies? Uh, that's a different, so it's NAET. This is NET. Let's see, what is it? It's neuroemotional. Neuroemotional technique, NET, actually it's NET, that's what it's, NAET is a food allergy technique, which we've had people that done it and they said that there was some benefit and then usually came back, uh, but uh, some people have said that it's benefited them, but what I was talking about was N NET, it's neuroemotional technique, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a different component. Um, but it's, I've taken their advanced courses and was very intrigued. Again, the problem with these techniques is there's a lot of kinesiological components to it. It's difficult to reproduce. Um, and unless somebody's doing it on a consistent basis and really perfect the technique, it's very hard to reproduce at this. It's, it's hard. I like to have things that are practical that anybody can do and that it's, it's keep it simple, stupid type of thing, right? The simpler it is, the easier it's to utilize, the more benefit people will see, the more chances that people are going to use it. So, um, Anyway, so that's, I think that's it for today. 
And uh, I appreciate you guys joining me. I apologize for, again, um, my flight was late, so I, there was a whole bunch of things that ended up happening. So I just, as soon as I got to the hotel, my bags are not even unpacked yet. And uh, so I will uh, see you guys all again next week at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And um, I'm not 100% sure. I may be flying back on Monday. So if my flight's in the evening, then I may be missing this first portion. I should still be able to make it for the IEDFW, but I'm trying to get in earlier. So um, I will look forward to seeing you guys then. And for the IEDFW members, I will reconnect with you guys in about five minutes. All right. Have a great rest of the rest of the weekend, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in with us today. For more information and links on other valuable resources, please visit advancedmedicine.com and medicalrewind.com. Also be sure to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, The How Report, and join Dr. Rasha Patar for his Facebook Live broadcast every Monday evening and for hundreds of hours of Advanced Medicine podcasts, which are broadcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and are available in the podcast section of medicalrewind.com. You can find Dr. Buttar on Facebook by searching for Dr. Rashid A. Buttar, and on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram by using Dr. Buttar. Don't forget to head over to advancedmedicine.com and register for your free account, gain access to the HeadMap assessment, and many other free resources available at advancedmedicine.com. Use Dr. Batar's invitation code 11 and join today. Thank you for your support and for being a part of making the change the world is waiting for.